Welcome back to the SEDC podcast presented by our friends at Insightful. Insightful provides real-world innovations for economic development. Insightful believes your digital tools should work as hard as you do for your community. That's why Insightful creates data-rich modules, websites, and digital outreach designed to make your visitor take notice without complicating your day. From core four modules, three pillars, digital marketing strategies, and comprehensive websites, to research and analysis, videography, and collateral design, Insightful works tirelessly as your on-call EDC marketing department. So thank you to the team at Insightful and Ray Methvin for partnering with SEDC to present the podcast. My name is Matt Tackett. I'm the president of the Southern Economic Development Council, and I'm excited to dive right into the weeds here with one of the council's newest members. It's Mr. Jason Giulietti of the Central SC Alliance, which is a regional economic development organization based in Columbia, South Carolina, as you may have guessed. So Jason is fairly recently onboarded, although he is absolutely no stranger to the American South and serves as the president and CEO of an organization that does absolutely great things in our footprint. So we have so much to dig into here, a lot of weeds, and we're really excited to welcome Jason to the podcast. Jason, happy new year, my friend. I'm sure it's a great day in Columbia, like always. Matt, happy new year. And yes, thank you very much for uh, for the opportunity to join you and the organization in a, in a conversation. But yeah, excited to be with you. Excited to be here in South Carolina and looking at the amazing future that lies ahead of us. Yeah, no doubt. And we're going to talk all about that. But, you know, at the core of this thing, we always like to start out our podcast here. We like to pull back the curtain. You know, we're not <laughs> at a conference. We're not buttoned up. We just like to, to get real. And how about you just tell us as much about yourself as you'd like to? Sure. No, ha happy to do so. So yeah, I find myself on an interesting, uh, interesting path here, but, but myself here born and raised actually in the Northeast part of the country. Uh, and we actually worked in economic development up there before uh, my most recent stint in Texas. Uh, but yeah, I found myself always kind of fascinated by the intersection of the public and private sector. So uh, fascinated attraction to economic development. But me personally, have a wife and two kids uh, that are here. Uh, a little secret about me that I know, certainly you bring up the topic of baseball, that will be one that we can dive deep into. My son plays travel ball and we go around the country playing playing baseball. Uh, one that you certainly could bring up if you want to know more about myself. But yeah, no, I found myself always in this industry and uh, with the opportunity to now come to South Carolina and see economic development through a slightly different lens. Uh, excited to do it and excited to be uh, taking an active role in the south southeastern part of the country. Travel baseball, I'm sure that has to be intense. I'm not a baseball player, but I know that's serious business in the south for sure. So how, how's he doing? It is, it is nuts. He's a beast. Uh, we have a phenomenal athlete in front of us here who's who's just blowing the doors off things. So we're just along for the ride with him right now. So we, we travel to multiple states throughout the year uh, for him to play and it's just been awesome to watch. He's he's just he just turned eleven a couple months ago, but he's just he's a beast and he's light years ahead of his competition, which is fun to watch. And it's all him driven, so we're just like I said, we're along for the ride. And as long as it as long as that ride will go, we want to be on his bandwagon. And uh, and who knows? But it's but it's fun to watch. And I definitely can't discount my daughter, who's the uh, who's the brains of the family here. She's uh, <laughs> she's nine years old, but I mean has a vocabulary of probably a fifty year old with uh, how sophisticated she sounds. So. It's a, it's a fun ride and, and fun to kind of watch your kids develop. And, and one I don't often talk about, so you're getting a little inside scoop. I usually stick to my, my, uh, my work mode, but uh, these are my two uh, pride and joys there back at home. Yeah, well, well, watch out, you know, I, so it's, it's got to be so much fun right now. I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, so, uh, you know, I'm just a little bit behind you, but gosh, they're growing so fast, but I'm about to sign my um, little boy up for PTA basketball today. So I just want him to turn into a beast that your son is. And maybe, <laughs> maybe both of us can retire early one of these days. Listen, That's the goal. That would be amazing, right? Just to watch them be successful and yeah, watching them through athletics right now. I mean, it is, it's fun. You, you'll enjoy, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for letting us uh, dive in and get a little personal there for a sure. second. So um, we, we know a little bit about you. We'll learn more in a bit, but I always like to tell people, you know, because most of us above a certain age or of kind of our generation, a lot of us have become lucky to, and really blessed to get into the economic development profession. You know, the, the gateway and the entry point's a little bit different now, but how about you? How did you find economic development? And maybe talk to us a little bit about your journey from the point to where you found it to today. Yeah, no doubt. Sure. No, great question. It, it's fascinating. So, you know, coming out in the early 2000s, I graduated undergrad in 02 and graduate school in 04 with uh, what I thought was going to be, you know, a path to become an attorney. 
but I had a faculty member at grad school who said, you are not, you cut out to be the, the attorney. You need, you have far more of a personality than an attorney does. And no offense to attorneys out there, oh, wow. but <laughs> it's uh, it's one they said you would be more successful, you know, going into, into something different and turned me on uh, to public administration and got to meet city managers and economic developers uh, in grad school. And my, my program was very focused on application, which I thought was awesome. And I got to see what it was like to actually make a difference in your community. And I just thought it was great. So I went into that path and, and collected a lot of mentors along the way. And my first job out of grad school was working for a statewide business association where I really got to understand the challenges of the business community from, you know, C-suite executives at the, at fortune 50 companies down to main street companies and understood their challenges and what it took for them to grow or contract or how public policy influenced them. And it really helped shape, you know, me in terms of how I, how I viewed the world and how I viewed uh, what could be done to help companies grow and what they mean for the residents, right. Offering them better opportunity and better jobs. So in that, in that world, I got to meet a lot of people and in economic development, you kind of fall into it. Like so many of us, like you said, of this generation in doing so, I kind of met a lot of folks and, and had tremendous opportunities present themselves and took me on a path to come then work for the state's largest public flagship uh, higher education institution, the University of Connecticut, where they were looking to activate an asset uh, in the health sciences space with some of their large schools and colleges, but do it through economic development and use it as a catalyst to drive the life science segment of the state and ask me to come on board and mobilize and engage some audiences while helping attract companies to the region and saw tremendous success with that. And as that happened, I got, and got asked to take a larger role with the university and ended up being part of the leadership group of the first ever Office of Economic Development at a public four-year institution of higher learning. And doing that, I got exposed to a tremendous amount of, of opportunity trying to help a university that was focused on, you know, publishing away their IP and their research to getting them to understand how to be more business friendly and collaborate with industry and solve some of their challenges. While doing that, you know, we launched our first ever technology park where we then were attracting companies to take real estate and take locations within the university to further collaborate. And then also try to, again, get industry more engaged on the hiring and the research capabilities of the university. We had tremendous success at that. At that point, I was then asked by our governor to come on and, and lead an effort to go out and create an international business attraction strategy for the state of Connecticut via a public-private partnership, not the state agency. And in doing so, we drafted and created a strategy. And in that strategy, then launched a strategy into several countries around the world, including Israel, Brazil, Germany, where we went out and attracted those companies to the United States via Connecticut. Uh, we saw that our value proposition was strongest uh, in between Boston and New York, and we were a gateway for these companies to come to the U.S. and got to have a lot of fun. I found myself really enjoying selling not necessarily a product, but you know, a region and a place and those intangibles. And it led me to then an opportunity when the phone rang to come to Texas and lead a, a regional, or actually take a number two role at an EDO down in Texas uh, that was nestled in between Austin and San Antonio, had been around for a while, but we're really looking to kind of uh, take it to the next level. And uh, didn't realize they were looking for uh, not a number two, but quite honestly, a number one, where uh, when I had arrived, the CEO who had been there for six years, who had done great work, had taken the role by with our governor to lead economic development for the state, who is still there doing a great job. And uh, the board asked me to step in as an interim and ultimately as a permanent after a nationwide search and for the last uh, several years led that organization to some unprecedented results. Uh, we landed billion dollar projects. We transformed the industry. We diversified industry in that region and really offered residents just a treasure trove of opportunity and jobs, really trying to enhance their life and move the needle on the income scale and things that we, we value in economic development, changing people's lives for the better. And in doing that, we were growing incredibly quick and uh, to kind of, you know, the challenge that we, we find ourselves in when we're growing so fast is the community wants us to slow down and we don't want to as economic developers because we realize, you know, the momentum takes a while to build. But in doing that, I found myself at a crossroads of, of either deciding to slow down via what the organization wanted or looking for that next opportunity and decided it was best to say, let me go to a place that wants what I can offer, which is really that never ending growth and those opportunities to, to continue to grow and attract capital and present more opportunities for residents. 
And South Carolina uh, was just the ideal fit. Looking at what this state has done and the success they've had over the years, it's one that I just, yeah, I find just absolutely amazing. I come into an organization that has been around uh, 2024 is now our 30th year in existence. So we'll be celebrating that history, but one that certainly has had its ups and downs and uh, over the last couple of years has done good work, but certainly could do much better. And I think what I was bringing to the organization or have brought to the organization as a renewed energy uh, and excitement to galvanize this part of the state to the next level. And I think that's that's ultimately what I've brought over the last several months, laid out a vision that is going to be extremely aggressive, uh, but also going to bring tremendous results to a region that already is is strong, but certainly we can do better. So that's kind of my journey uh, through the economic development profession. I feel like I've been in it since the beginning of my career and one that I wouldn't trade for anything. I really, really love this industry and this field. Well, a great answer. Thanks for really diving in there. You know what? I really, really appreciate um, from your answer and from uh, SEDC members that most of us share this perspective. I, I certainly do. Look, you just gave us um, a really lengthy, in-depth um, discussion about economic development strategy, a really sophisticated um, journey that you've had. You've talked to billions of dollars of capital investment, these really strategic things that you've done on a global uh, at a global level but look here's what here's what i heard at the heart of all of that at the beginning of your statement there you said i wanted to make a difference in the middle of it you said i want to change lives and towards the end you talked about continued growth and continued opportunity it's such a it's at the heart of what i see economic development as or what economic developers or SEDC members look we're here to build stronger communities families states and and build thriving environments for enterprise i just don't think there's any better work that can be done because like you said we can change lives when we are successful and i'm just so appreciative for the approach you had to your answer just now so thank you so much for that no thank you i mean it's it's one that i i love and i tell my teams i'll give you a quick moniker that i share with all my teams you know that that's at our core right that's at what we are as economic developers and i always tell my teams we are seal teams right? Folks don't know who we are. They may know, they know we exist and we get our jobs done, but they don't need to know our faces often. But what gets me most excited and most rewarded is walking through the grocery store and then hearing a family talk about, you know, a job opportunity they just got. And we know that it tied back to a company that we brought here or an opportunity that we helped bring to a community, help grow a company. I mean, that's the most rewarding thing we can get as economic developers. And that's what just okay. drives me to say, how do we keep doing it better? Right. How do we keep making those opportunities more for those local folks that live in our regions? No doubt. No doubt. You know, um, you just really inspired me and made me um, happy with your answer, but gosh, <laughs> it, you, you just kind of kicked, kicked a memory into me that I, so we, we share, a, we share a couple of similarities here. I, uh, you know, we're about the same age, but I did political science in undergrad and MPA as well in grad okay. school, but yep. I'm, I'm a Kentuckian. Okay. And you were at UConn <laughs> and you have, you have crushed us so many times in basketball. <laughs> you don't even, you don't even know. I mean, gosh, there's something about UConn. If we see you in the tournament, it's over. Like, I know it we're, we're just going to lose. This is how it goes for us. So. Oh, that's I funny. So. Yeah, and I, I was blessed with my freshman year. We won the national championship, men and women, the same year for the first time in NCAA history. And then my my last year in graduate school, we did the same. So I had bookends with the men and women winning the same year. It was, yeah, it was special in so many different ways. <laughs> Unbelievable. And it's looking good this year. You know, I'm sure they'll hey. win. It, you know, with UConn, it's either, well, we're going to miss the tournament or we're going to get in and just win it. You know, so that's that's how it goes there. Well, I, t I tell my folks here in South Carolina, that was the one question I had with uh, some of the folks that I was interviewing with. We were like, were you going to support USC? And I'm like, 100%. What about when UConn's here? Well, every sport but basketball. I'll wear my blue, my navy blue for basketball. Everything else, I'll be a cheerleader for South Carolina. So it's uh, it's an ongoing thing here. And the UConn women are coming down to play USC, who's now the number one team in the country uh, later this uh, this winter. And I, I can't wait to be there and uh, cheer on the Huskies, even though my South Carolina friends might not like that. <laughs> yeah, sooner or later, you probably will have a women's NCAA championship with UConn and um, South Carolina. So we'll have to see. It'll be fun to watch <laughs> you that week for sure. So, well, anyway, thanks for having some a little bit of fun with us of there. Course. We will have, SEDC will have a, a March Madness um, NCAA bracket before too much longer. We have a lot of fun with, so we'll be watching Love your it. brackets to see what happens. Love it. So, so you mentioned, yes, Northerner or, or have came from... Um, 
the Northeast. And now you're doing economic development in South Carolina before that in another, another part of the American South that we'll talk to talk about. But I say that because obviously, as you've laid out here, you have done this at a, a really high sophisticated level in multiple regions across the nation. So I'm curious, because I don't know that we've had an opportunity to ask this on the podcast just yet. But so what what drew your interest to to the South for one? And then a really neat uh, point of interest question here. What are some key differentiators that you see when comparing, say, the Northeast or anywhere else that you're familiar with, with the American South? Yeah, another good question. I, I think my most simplistic answer when folks ask me this is I, I want to fish where the fish are. Right. So end of the day, when you look at economic development, right, there's pockets of the country where there's opportunity and there's parts of the country where it might be a lot more challenging for those opportunities to present themselves. And I see the South really being a place where those opportunities are there. Right. Industry has shown us over the last several years they want to be in locations that are growing, that are attractive to both young folks and a thriving workforce. And cost and affordability is a key important place, but also quality of life. They, you want to be in a place where your th cities are thriving, they're growing, they're offering diversity of offerings to attract people to them. And the South has all that. It really has uh, demonstrated and opened our eyes that there's amazing assets, both in natural resources across the South, the connectivity, the infrastructure to get around. My wife and, and kids love to travel we find ourselves taking advantages of locations all the time, right? So looking at where we are now in, in Columbia, we can get to a Nashville, a Charlotte, a Charleston, a Greenville, an Atlanta, all within just a couple hours, which, I mean, it's just amazing to have. So having those things to me uh, are amazing attractors. But when you look at differentiators, the South is a place that is welcoming and open to business. You don't have to explain economic development. You don't have to explain why a company should locate there. Companies understand the value proposition and want to be in a place where they are welcomed. I don't, I don't say that in a negative way about other parts of the country, but when I look at my experiences in other parts, it, it's not the same, right? A lot of times you have to explain why you have to have certain conversations with the company, why you might have to utilize incentives to compete for projects, why you might want to locate a company in a certain location. Those explanations often set projects back and are deterrents to companies when they look at opportunities, where the South really looks at it and says, we would love you here. We know you're going to make a difference to our economy. You're going to make a difference to our residents by coming and locating here. And we want to be partners with you and your success because we will all win. Other parts of the country, I don't think I, I see that the same. Um, you often find yourself several steps back having to explain things versus three or four steps ahead when I look at the South. So I think there's a lot of things here that make it special in the South, but those are kind of the ones that really differentiate to me on why the South is really the place to be. That's why it's so fun to be part of SEDC because we have 17 states that are very, we're competitors, we're also colleagues, but we're, we're all very pro-growth and, and future forward. And we have the best economic developers on the planet. I mean, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I mean, you look Agreed. at this last, <laughs> l last year, we did $200 billion collectively worth of capital investment projects, 150,000 new jobs. I'm kind of collecting, um, collecting what our states did or 2023, 2022. That's what happened. I'm collecting the, the outcome for 2023 now, and it'll be another just really fantastic year. Well, above other regions where the world's third largest economy we enterprise and people are flocking here in droves because of the nurturing business environments and the the quality of of life that we have when we're so advantaged on workforce we're at record high participation and availability um you know we're growing well beyond the rest of the country and think about it at a time when sites are strained too you're seeing states and communities and, and utility partners and others invest in product development unlike ever before. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars annually in person, you know, in some in some cases in one state that are going into product development. It's unbelievable what we do and how well positioned we are um, for success going forward. So it's just so much, it's a really, really great opportunity to be in economic development right now and all the things that you can do for people and communities as 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 you've mentioned. But I, um, you know, I say all that about the region, but before we dive into your EDO, I mean, South Carolina, we were just, we recorded a podcast yesterday with Brian Gwynn of Norfolk Southern, who leads ED in, um, for that organization in the state of South Carolina, but we we're talking about all of the success and momentum and everything that's going on there for the past two years, 2022, 2023, South Carolina has done about $10 billion worth of capital investment deals, just such a global leadership 
in economic development comes from that state. It punches above its weight and then some. So can you talk to us just about South Carolina, all that's going on there and all the advantages and momentum and ongoing opportunity that you have in the state? Yeah, no doubt, Matt. And, and, and thank you. And, and Brian's a great individual that I know to be leading SEDC and certainly a, a great person to have in our backyard <laughs> supporting the effort. But but it's right to that point you just mentioned. It's the collaboration and the team, right? It's not just a staff like our organization or others across the state that are leading an effort. It's a full team of public private sector partners, utility partners that really differentiate us. But in South Carolina, you know, we're, we're blessed to be one of the fastest growing states, if not the fastest growing state at this point uh, in the country, meaning we're an attractor to all different folks. And we're not just an attractor to young folks, we're an attractor to the retirees too, and everything in between, which truly helps us diversify and strengthen and stabilize uh, what our future looks like. But when I look at that, I go back to our location and our proximity to markets, right? We're blessed to be in a space that literally gives us reach within the majority of the U.S. population uh, within a day's drive. It's amazing to have that opportunity and that connectivity, but it's also that infrastructure within, right? Having the rails that cut across our state, allowing product to be moved around, having a major port in Charleston and another just over the line in Savannah, having access to those ports for industry, tremendous. And then where we sit here in the middle of the state is the, the major highway infrastructure that can virtually get you to the Northeast or to the tip of Florida in either direction. It provides us just such advantages right now in what we have. But it's also, you know, when I look at it, a tremendous, tremendous hub for manufacturing. And why is that important? Manufacturing is, is places where you make product, right? It really helps you harden against economic downturns when people are making products. That's, that's, you know, we saw that over the last several recessions, what impact it had if you're not making products and how quickly you can shed those jobs, or they can be located somewhere else, where South Carolina is a manufacturing hub where people come to work because they are making product. It's, it's so, so important. And looking at the future and looking at, you know, kind of the post-pandemic world, this next generation of the United States economy is going to be heavily focused on manufacturing. And I think South Carolina is leading that charge in such a strong way, while also somehow being able to maintain still a low cost of living for folks to be here. So that fastest growing state allows folks to come here, save resources while having tremendous opportunity and a diversity of jobs. And then I also think, you know, we have tremendous, tremendous momentum. You know, started in the 90s with BMW planting a tremendous flag uh, outside of Greenville with the BMW plant. But after that, you're seeing Boeing down in Charleston, Volvo outside of Charleston, Michelin right here in our backyard. And then most recently, the Volkswagen collaboration of Scout Motors planning another EV manufacturing facility in South Carolina. It's amazing what that momentum has done over the years and continues to do. And then lastly, I'll share is the future of the U.S. economy and truly how I view it as the backbone of the U.S. economy around this idea of batteries, battery storage, grid resiliency, things that are really going to be critical to the future of not only the United States, but quite honestly, the world. We've been designated by the federal government with a, uh, a special award of called SE Nexus uh, that was given out to a handful of uh, communities in different areas. And we were awarded it around alternative energy and battery, battery storage. So I think for us, looking at what the future holds and the foundation that we have built here, the next generation of the economy and the U.S. economy's backbone is going to be here in South Carolina. It just makes sense to 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 build and to to innovate and to live in in the American South and and definitely in South Carolina as well as as you just mentioned and you you talked about the leadership. I've really enjoyed getting to know and watching Secretary Leitze go at it. We had him um, on stage with us at one of our major events recently. Just such great leadership from from the top down there, and I know that has to be such a massive advantage for you. Couldn't agree more. I mean, you have it top to bottom. The Secretary Leitze has been amazing. Governor McMaster, the same. I mean, you have such, yeah, such cohesive leadership that are speaking that same language, want to see the results and have, and have, you know, done everything they can to create an environment that allows us to have as many tools in our toolkit uh, as we need to go out and continue to attract this industry. Well, that's the state. So, so watch out. I mean, you laid out economic <laughs> development. You mentioned about the, the, the growth of um, economic opportunity and momentum right now. And we know there's a massive influx of people that are, and and wealth that are transferring to the American South now. And yeah, I think you're right. I think South Carolina is number one on top of that. So we know, and I've got a question about it in, in a bit, but we know there's just so much forward 
opportunity there, but that's the South Carolina perspective. So how about Columbia and central South Carolina? I've got a, I've got a two-parter here. So can you tell, can you tell us about your region and all that makes it special and successful? And then two, can you talk to us about your EDO and how you're creating and leveraging opportunity? Yeah, no doubt. So I think what, what really differentiates our region is we're home to the capital city. Right. So we're we are having the capital city really provides the nexus and not only the capital city, but uh, University of South Carolina, the flagship public higher education institution sitting in the in the capital city as well. And then obviously large business pillars. So having that that three legged stool in the center of our region really, really helps differentiate us because it provides just a diversity, right, of different things. I heard a fact recently that I thought was was pretty awesome is there's more languages spoken in Columbia than any other city in South Carolina. And that's driven by those diversity of those three pillars calling us home here. We also have other major advantages in terms of the vibrancy the university creates in this region, right? It brings in theater, major athletics, just so many great things on top of the business relationships that gravitate to that university. So companies that otherwise may not see this region come here to collaborate with industry. And then in many cases, build a build a facility or create offices that allow them to operate here, creating again, a much stronger diversity. We also are home to the capital city's airport, an asset that I get beyond excited about when we talk about economic development. Uh, airports and me, I just, I have a passion for them. I've always worked alongside airports and the Columbia Airport and its team is really aggressive. They are the largest freight cargo facility in the state and quite honestly, the region to move product in and out of. Uh, UPS has one of their largest facilities in the world here in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, moving product but also the potential. There's an airport here where you literally can set up your company in large or small scale and have access directly to a major airport, which I find just absolutely amazing. We also are home to a region of more than a million people. So we have density. We have people that live here in a workforce of more than a half a million people that are at your fingertips while still being in that kind of intimate setting. I also can't can't, uh, help but make sure we mention Fort Jackson a tremendous, tremendous facility and uh, one of the largest army training facilities in the country, which it brings to us, again, a tremendous diversity of skill sets and people who come through that facility, who essentially graduate through that facility or retire from that facility with skill sets that you cannot train other than through the military that provide amazing, amazing assets to industry that are trying to, that want to locate here or are trying to continue to be successful here. So we have lots of opportunity of all sizes and investments. We have sites that have rail connections, as Brian would probably mention. We still have mega sites. And then we have the capital city, which provides the office inventory of the future. You know, we are not one of those large overbuilt cities uh, that, like in other parts of the country. We can adapt. We're flexible and can give you that city, but also that quality of life right down the road. And when I look at, again, what makes this part set, uh, also special is what I alluded to before is our people right? We are hungry, hungry people for opportunity here. The team that we have here at at the organization at Central South Carolina Alliance are amazing individuals. Some have been here a long time, some just recent, all of which have that desire and that professionalism that are just, you know, second to none. On top of that, we're not just made up of our team, but we're made up of our communities. We're eight counties surrounding the capital city. Uh, So we have tremendous, tremendous partners in those communities that are well-seasoned staff, I think all of which are members of SEDC and and continue to be very active members as well, but they're consummate professionals. They know what they're doing, they've been through it, and they've demonstrated the success that goes with that. So it's really, really awesome uh, secret ingredient that I would share here. When I go back and take that second part of your question around our organization and our economic development efforts and what we're doing to create and leverage opportunities, I think one, we take nothing for granted. Right. End of the day, we want to ensure that everything we do is with intentionality, with strategic focus and approach. And we're very, very aggressive. Uh, it's a mindset that we need to perpetuate throughout every single of our partners, whether they're within or outside the organization. We keep it very simple. Uh, I'll share that we we focus on customer service. As simple as that may sound, uh, returning phone calls in a timely fashion, staying on top of prospects, staying on top of our elected leaders, doing all we can to make sure that we are answering the call most simple or most sophisticated as it is. Those little things really differentiate you in this industry. As I know, Matt, you know, uh, those little things really make a difference. 
And then also, you know, leveraging the structure of our organization. This is where I, I take tremendous pride in, in living in this world of public-private partnerships is I, I employed this idea of a concierge approach of economic development, right? What does that mean? Is that we start to solve every single issue a, a prospect may have. And that prospect could be an existing company or a net new prospect looking at our region. But how do we solve every issue? If you're an international company coming here, we want to show your family around the local schools so that they feel good about moving to a new country. We want to make sure we're servicing their real estate needs. We're taking advantage of the approach that we have private sector investors that can help solve the challenges these companies may have through their expertise. So rather than just thank them for the resources they provide us, we bring them into deal flow. So we let them be resource experts in the deal process so that it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it so that it's not all those unknowns to the end. It's no, let's make sure you're educated as best you can be throughout the process to make your, your investment one that's sound and that one that's quite honestly bulletproof for your ultimate decision makers. And then we guide ourselves by the principles of accountability and transparency. I think in our industry, those two words can't be echoed enough in terms of our approach, our style, so that we, we let everyone know they're part of the team. Everyone's got a layer of accountability with us, but we're also extremely transparent about what we do. And, and, and I know it, we're in an industry that that's really hard to do because uh, we have a lot of code names and different things we do. But, you know, our organization thrives on making sure we display and share everything we do that we can share so that our partners see not only what we're doing, but kind of how we're getting to the results that we're going to be able to achieve for our for our communities. And it's that partnership and team approach. Everyone plays a part in it trying to share with folks here on the ground how important it is that, you know, the waiter or waitress in the restaurant speaks the same language as our team does, right? When a prospect comes in, they might not be telling you they're going to be there all the time, but they're going to be talking to that waiter and waitress and asking how it's like to live here. Is there bad traffic? Do you like it? Do you not? They need to be on the team and a champion just as much as our team is. So it's all of those things. And, and the theme I know my team hears me talk about all the time, it's continuous improvement, right? We're not, we can't pretend that we know exactly how to do all of this. How do we learn from others? How do we make sure that we're continuing to endure and meet the needs of industry and our community, which evolve constantly, uh, but making sure that we're always servicing those needs, making sure that we are the glue between those two and ultimately, you know, doing better for our community. So long answer, Matt, but there you go. Well, you said so many things that I wish we could, <laughs> we, we could continue to dig in on that just, that just really hit with me. Um, you know, you think about for as, for as sophisticated and strategic and data-driven and mature of an, of an industry as this is, Look, I mean, at the heart of this, there's there's a lot of really simple, easy to do magic that can help you be so successful long term. And you just mentioned a lot of this. I mean, look, this is a this is a relationship thing in lots of ways. Customer service is key, and then just getting to know your existing industry and and knocking down any walls. You know, there's no, there's no magic to be R and E really, <laughs> other than just being consistent and intentional and, and asking questions and finding out mitigating potential um, challenges or finding new opportunities just through relationships. So I, I love that you said that, but I know we're, we're going to have a question on FDI here in a little bit, but how important is it to demonstrate to foreign enterprise that, look, my community is people ready here. And I, I love that you hit on that because as SEDC gets more involved in FDI, we're going to start communicating um, the fact of, of how critical it is to be people ready. So um, new citizens from abroad somewhere feel really, really comfortable and capable in, in your community that they'll, they'll fit right in and have no challenges day one. So I'm so glad that you hit on the people ready uh, part of what we do as well. It's it's so important, right? When you think of all the things we hear in the media about, you know, AI and all these things that are going to be taking over the world. Well, our industry is the opposite, right? It's a relationship driven business, as you said, and it will always be that no matter how much, you know, things evolve, it comes down to people. And, and those people really make the difference. Uh, I tell everybody, I don't view anything we do in, in our industry as competition, quite honestly, because the site's the site, right? It's going to drive a lot of the decisions. Um, and your solution might be great for a company. My solution might be great. But end of the day, the one thing we can do that really differentiates us is building a trusting, meaningful relationship with that company, whether it's somebody that's already there with you or somebody new looking at you. They're really looking at you to be that guide to help them through a very, you know, big decision and, and how do they get there? And it comes down to, to really building that rapport, that trust and that community alongside them. So yeah, it's a big, big part for us. When I was in Kentucky, you'd mentioned another, uh, another little nugget I wrote down. Um, I would always tell um, my gang in Kentucky and it was another really um, 
really successful punch above your weight state, you know, they're doing 10, $10 billion annually now too. It's just really, really great momentum there as well. But I, I would love to say, look, everyone in your community is an economic developer. So instilling that positivity is, is so important and watching what, um, you know, maybe is being broadcast from uh, official or community channels, everyone, because you never know who is, who is in your community or looking at your community, a consultant or enterprise, or even when I was at KAED, we would send secret shoppers into a community and just, <laughs> we'd go somewhere and say, Hey, what do you think about whatever? And just, and pull a report on that. And we make it into that at SEDC, but everyone, in your community is an economic developer too. So simple. So simple, That's right. but it's That's right. something, something we don't talk about a lot. So I'm glad that you brought, brought that out. So it's, it's no wonder that that what is happening in your region happens uh, because you've, you've laid out um, everything that you do to provide just such a great environment um, for business. So I'm curious, how about some major, um, major project wins recently in your region, or if you want to get into just different initiatives again, too, just how about some things uh, it's brag time here. Let's talk about some major <laughs> wins recently. You know, I think we're blessed again with having, you know, the capital city and eight counties surrounding us. So it is a team you know, approach to these wins. So when I mention them, it is everybody's participation on it, as you said, and, and it's not just the professional staff, but it's everybody. So some of the biggest things, you know, I'll go back to the one I, I mentioned earlier in the transformational project of Scout Motors, uh, the Volkswagen collaboration on electric vehicle, uh, resurrecting a, an iconic brand from, from history back uh, coming forward. They, they're putting in over $2 billion of announced capital and 4,000 jobs into our capital city county uh, of Richland County here. Just transformational project. You know, we saw what Volvo and BMW have done to our neighbors to the north and south. And this will really plant that flag uh, and really solidify South Carolina, if it hasn't already been, one that is demonstrating the home of the future of electric vehicles. So tremendous, tremendous opportunity here. But also, you know, we have, like I said, we have all those other counties, several of which have seen large scale projects. Uh, Lexington County here just over uh, to our west saw a tremendous announcement in Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits, right? Large scale project, $80 million of new investment coming into that community. Uh, Newberry County, just north of where I live, had Kraft Heinz announce an expansion of $72 million. So tremendous, tremendous things. We had some of our rural counties announce projects uh, in Calhoun County, or uh, Calhoun County Park, for example, had a machinery uh, company called Blanchard expand to the tune of $46 million. We had a company called Latitude Corporation in Clarendon County, another rural community, announce a $29 million capital expenditure project bringing 700, that's right, 700 new jobs into wow. that rural community. I mean, just awesome, awesome, awesome things. And when I look at it, I think what's most uh, prideful here is that, you know, we had just shy of $3 billion of capital expenditure in 2023, banner year in every single way. But really, it's the diversity of the jobs, uh, you know, totaling somewhere around 5,500, give or take. Uh, but it's in a, a variety of sectors, you know, everything from agribusiness, EV, composites, the defense industry, food and beverage. It's that diversity, right? That's critical. We can't be wedded to one particular industry. So to see that and then also see of the 24 wins we announced here in 23 was the makeup of those wins. 46% of them came as brand net new wins. And then the other 54% were from expansions, underscoring to your point, how important BRE is to our region to ensure that, you know, those companies that are making those expansions and clearly happy customers, you know, continue to grow their company here as opposed to look elsewhere. So it's those kind of things that we're very proudful of as we, as we look, uh, you know, back at 23, but certainly hitting that accelerator a heck of a lot harder in 24 and expect results to be even bigger in this upcoming year. One initiative you met, you asked about, just kind of some of the initiatives our organization's doing, is one that I know is front and center of every single site consultant slips these days, and that's workforce. Uh, we recognized that very quickly and started an initiative called Start Central SC. It's a job tool that we put out for the region and a, uh, a website that really allows job seekers to look and apply at the diversity of jobs that are out there. And on top of that, the new companies and how we can make those matches. And really, we've seen tremendous, tremendous success by taking a proactive role in trying to make those marriages. So it really provides that while giving context to our region. So it's kind of a sales tool, but also a, a tool to open the eyes of our local residents of the depth and breadth of the type of industries that are growing and successful here. 
And we use that as a, as a tremendous tool to then work alongside our community colleges, our technical colleges, our four-year institutions, and ensuring that we're constantly solidifying that relationship between industry and education. And then using this website as a tool to give folks in the greater Columbia area an opportunity to see what's available for them to grow their career, whether they have the skills or they don't, but giving them the opportunity to do that. Unbelievable. I mean, it's it's unbelievable to hear. I, I love hearing um, the regional inclusivity of, of those project wins. We always, you know, transformative is a word that, you know, you hear in a lot of economic development circles. But when you talk about that amount of jobs anywhere, but especially in rural America, that's that can be transformative generationally. So I, I love hearing that and and great, great initiative you mentioned, too. I know um, FDI must also be a really strong focal point for for you, because I know you're obviously your, your region is globally competitive and um, you're welcoming enterprise, uh, you know, across the world, but also in just a couple of weeks, Central SC will be part of an SEDC delegation to South Korea to invite South Korean or a really worldwide enterprise to the American South. So can you talk about that mission specifically, what we're doing there and any yep. others that you have planned as well? Sure. No. And I, I praise you guys a ton for, for going out and doing something like that. That that speaks volumes for the organization. Like you said, it, it just strengthens our part of the country by, by doing proactive work like that. So thank you for putting that together. For us, we're excited to be part of it. You know, we view opportunity as global, right? These opportunities are, are all around the world and we need to make sure that the world knows we exist. One, I, I tell the board, my board that all the time, right? In the United States, there's more than 3,600 economic development organizations competing for these projects, right? And if they don't know you and you're not out there seeing them, they're going to make you know preconceived uh, decisions. So by you guys proactively going, that sends a tremendous, tremendous message to that part of the world that we are welcoming and want your engagement and participation in our region. So for us, we're happy to be part of it. We view Korea as a tremendous, tremendous uh, linkage and opportunity for investment. We're home to many, many Korean companies here in South Carolina already. Uh, I, I jokingly told the folks here in South Carolina at Department of Commerce when I got here, you know, South Carolina is the, one of the only states that I've ever seen put together a really amazing, robust map of the state and the international investment of every company that's located from a different uh, foreign country on a map. And they usually displayed it up at uh, Select USA when, yeah, when they have that sure. event. And it's just amazing. And they keep it updated. And it really shows everybody the depth and breadth of these international uh, collaborations and what's been here. So we're home to a large Samsung facility and some other Korean-based companies. So for us, it was a natural synergy to join you guys on that trip. And all we want to do is just talk about our region, talk about the state, talk about the southern part of the United States and why these companies should look here. Having worked with Korean companies in the past, relationships mean everything. Going back to what we were talking about before, uh, that is most critical for, for those uh, Asian countries, in particular Korea. Uh, they really make amazing investments. And once you get one, you get many others, uh, which is the exciting part about that part of the country. So for us, you know, we're, we're going to participate with you guys on that trip. We've also engaged a, a third-party consultant in Korea. So we'll actually be in Korea two more times this next year, uh, working with companies. And then, yeah, we've taken a global approach as well. So we're going to be, you know, traveling throughout Europe this year, uh, around the United States. So we're we're a big proponent of going to see people. I tell my team all the time, you know, the more we show up in people's backyard, the more we will be front of mind when they're looking to make these decisions. And when we travel for us organizationally, we're doing very similar to you guys. We're not just taking the frontline economic developers. We're actually taking our private sector leaders with us. We're taking C-suite executives with us to tell the story of what it's like to do business in the backyard. So it's, you know, it creates a layer of trust and transparency that they're not used to because we're not telling our folks what to say, tell them what it's like. If it's great, tell them it's great. If it's challenging, tell them it's challenging. It's okay that 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 level of trust being built is really peer to peer one that that helps us differentiate our our recruitment process and one that we're excited to be with you guys on it because I think that same approach is what's going to really help the south differentiate itself in other parts of the country uh, by going into somebody's backyard. Yeah, facilitating that peer-to-peer -peer dialogue is is huge. I know there are some states that have maybe statewide initiatives around that, or, or regions like you that do that. That's so that's so so important. So congratulations and um, for for doing that because I know how important that that can be in the dividends that campaign. Yeah, we're really excited to be 
to be in Korea with you um, here in, in just what well, right, I believe we're going on the first week of March. So yeah, pretty soon. <laughs> really, really excited to do our thing there. And we'll expect to just have really, really important impact. We'll be at Select USA too. So South Carolina always does such a great, great job, but you've talked to so much. We, we've dug into so much here, just all that's going on and, and all the success and momentum. So it's a really, really great time to be um, in central SC and South Carolina. And like, like I always love to say our region as well, but I've got a feeling you're not, you're just getting started. It's definitely not done. And the party's going to continue um, in your region in the state. So what does the next five to 10 years look like in central South Carolina? Yeah, no doubt. Great question. And, and one, you know, you, uh, when you're growing and you're seeing success, you know, elected officials ask the same question all the time. What does it look like? And is there ever enough? And I say, no, there's never enough. Right. We never are providing uh, a level of support for our residents or opportunities for our residents to ever have enough, you know, opportunity or or financial support. Right. So. Looking forward for us, the next five or 10 years is just limitless. I mean, it's the best way to describe it. I really think we will be the backbone of the U.S. economy. And, you know, our state will play a role in that. Our region will play a role in that. But quite honestly, the southern United States and, and the SEDC footprint will play that role as well. I think we'll be leading the next generation of the economy. By doing that, you know, that going back to the conversation I shared earlier around our designation by the federal government to, to work on battery, battery storage and grid resiliency, critical things to the future. You hear them all the time with the growth of that sector, the migration away from combustion engine towards uh, batteries. That's going to be leading the charge. I mean, University of South Carolina has a battery institute of faculty of more than, I think, 30 individuals who have been doing this for 30 years. It's not like they're emerging at a time where this is now a trendy topic. They've been around and established with industry and now being galvanized to take it to the next level. Having those things in our backyard is really going to transform it. And then having the home to these major OEMs only continues to spawn more innovation. When you could bring those large companies in, you know, you're going to get tremendous output from those companies, but you're also going to get those senior leaders and scientists and others who say, you know what, this is great. I've done tremendous things, but I'm ready for the next opportunity. And our role is to capture them, keep them here and allow them to spawn entrepreneurship and innovate through new opportunities, new ventures, new collaborations. And we want to foster that environment as well. So we're taking a really holistic approach to making sure we diversify our industry, our jobs, and making sure we create those synergies and keep an environment that is going to want an industry to be here well into the future. So for us, those next 10 or 15 years just look absolutely bright, but we're doing it centered around intentionality, keeping the strategic eye on the prize, and being able to adapt to the changing you know, environment. None of us knew the pandemic would happen several years ago. But in my last organization, we used that as a tremendous, tremendous opportunity to differentiate ourselves and brought results the organization had never seen before, rivaling some of the largest cities in the world. So to me, that same thing we need to be mindful of here, adaptable, but also very strategic in our approach. So we're, we're, we're ready to go. We're excited. You know, I don't think you'll see anything but us stepping on that gas pedal as hard as we can Uh forever, quite honestly. I don't think we're ever going to stop. There's no other way I know how to do it. Uh, certainly our team is going to be built upon that same mindset. The future of the U.S. economy is in the South. It just is. I uh, I recently shared an article on, on my LinkedIn laying out all of the reasons why, but it's the present, it's the future, and we're just so excited to be a small part of it. So, you know, we've, we've spent about an hour here and just we've talked about so much and you, you've <laughs> definitely got so much energy and there's so much to talk about in, in a region like yours. So one of the things I struggle with is, is, is brevity. You know, I've got so much <laughs> I want to get out and it's really hard for me to do like an elevator pitch. No doubt. So, so I'm curious about you. This is a learning opportunity for all of us. How do you break everything down? And can we hear whatever your, your 20, 30, 40 second elevator pitch is? I can try. Uh, it's one of those, I will tell you, being month four on the job that I am constantly trying to refine. So I ask my team for this feedback all the time. So I welcome yours or any of the listeners feedback as well. But when I look at our region of South Carolina, you know, we're home again. We're home to the capital city. We're the nexus between higher education, government, and business. What does that mean? We have all the ingredients for a company to be successful, whether it's the next generation of the economy being partnered up with the university through main, to leveraging the infrastructure and connectivity of our rail, our highways, and our ports. We have everything a company could need on top of the fact that we're one of the fastest growing states in the country. 
blend all that together. And we're the home of business. We're the home of the future. We're the home of the next generation economy. And our team is here to do anything we can to make that opportunity as painless and as simple as possible. There's my pitch. I, I love it. I love it. And anyone that's been around me for some time knows I've got my talking points and I'll stick with them for an amount of time, but home to home to the future. Home, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, I love it. So thanks so much for breaking that down. Of for course. Us. We've, we've had, we've, we've done a lot here. We've um, we've definitely covered a lot of economic development. I love just catching up with you and learning about all that's going on in South Carolina. We've dug into a lot of weeds. We've also been pretty nice. There's been a lot of soft, <laughs> softball questions here okay so so uh -oh. now it's now it's time to get real and put you on the research uncensored seat sponsored by our great friends at research fdi research fdi is a trusted investment attraction and trade development partner working all over the world our listeners know bruce tackifman ceo and the great work that he does to introduce global enterprise to the advantages and opportunities that we have in america and definitely in the American South. So thank you to Research FDI, which is our partner on the podcast, also our partner on our upcoming FDI mission to Korea for sponsoring what is the former hot seat segment. So Matthew Darius is here listening in. Do your thing. Insert the spooky music here. Jason, are you ready for the uncensored seat? Uh, you know, all I know is now that Bruce and, and company are involved, which I'm a huge proponent of, uh, if anything gets scary, I know who to go to. So I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay. So first off, who would play you in a movie? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, I'd go with Leonardo DiCaprio. I think his diversity of roles and being able to adapt into a bunch of things, I kind of I kind of see myself as that. I can adapt anywhere and jump into any environment. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I, I was talking about him recently thinking, you know what? He's he's only done Titanic, right? And and maybe like one other than for me. No, that guy's been in everything good. And somehow that's escaped my mind. That's right. Like, everything good. That's where I'm at, right? I, I want to be associated with good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of my favorite. We can see we can see that for sure. So, OK, you you mentioned this. You're, you're oh. an airport. You're an airport guy. So you can't say um, you're a great airport in Columbia. So. What is your favorite and least favorite airport in the country? Man, all right, that's hard to pick. Um, I, I think really, and this is, I don't want, you can, you can press me on it if you need to, but I think whatever airport gets me in and out on time and predictably, I'm in. I, uh, I don't see any, any major airport. I love, the, I love airports that have amenities. So if they have airport lounges, I'm a huge fan of that. I can be super yes. productive at an airport. So for me, I don't really have a favorite, quite honestly, or a least favorite. I've had traumatic experiences with airlines, more so than airports. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I can't give you any one or, one or other. I just, I like them if they can get me in and out where I need to be and I'm not stuck there. That's my best yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of my thing too. Like I, uh, I, I don't like to fly. And of course we have to fly a lot in, in our world, but I don't like to fly, but I love being in airports. Give me that Delta lounge and just let me hang <sighs> out two, three hour layover. I, I'm happy there. And I get a lot of work done there too. hundred percent, right? You have every amenity you need. It's quiet in a place that's already stressful. So when you have those amenities, they are tremendous. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that one was easy. All this right. one, this one will get you in trouble. Oh, where's no. <laughs> the where's the best place to eat in Colombia? Oh, so I'll caveat this with again four months in. So I am trying to unearth those hidden gems. Um, so thinking about what comes to mind, one place I'll use the place that we that I thought was tremendous that we did our actual holiday dinner for our team. It's a place called Terra. So if you are in Colombia, it is just over the bridge uh, into West Colombia. So it's not technically in Colombia, it's in West Colombia, but it's called Terra, farm to table style restaurant, amazing bourbon selection for those that enjoy that. Uh, but just some amazing, amazing food. And just, yeah, that place has been really one of the top places I've been. Great answer. Much better than uh, we just recently <laughs> hired hired a new person, um, Clay Snowden from Kentucky. We said, hey, where's your favorite place to eat in Kentucky? He says Applebee's. Oh no! Like, come on, come on, man. I mean, look, Applebee's is fine, but what an answer. No, it's okay. all about those hidden gems, right? How do you find those places that are, you know, chef-owned and operated, kind of <laughs> under the radar, just delicious food? Exactly. Gosh. Okay. So I know you're um, you, you're a really cool uh, cool guy. You probably don't get nervous that often, but curious, what's the most nervous you've ever been? Uh you know, it's for me, 
Yeah, I don't often get, I don't really get nervous at all. I feel like if, if folks wants to get to meet me and you talk to me a little bit, you'll see that I actually thrive best under pressure. I jokingly tell my folks all the time when I go out on the golf course, for example, um, I like to be the last guy to hit and a foursome because if the pressure's on, I'm going to deliver all day. When there's no pressure, I'm going to stumble all day. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, I get nervous for my team a lot of times uh, and try to keep them calm. But if I look back and probably tell you the most nervous I've ever been, it was probably the birth of my second child, um, you know, she did not cooperate during the pregnancy to let us know what gender she'd be, no matter how hard we tried. And my oh, wife yeah. and I are big planners. So it was, when I say a true surprise, out she came and we were, we found out what gender she was. So not nervous, just nervous in an unknowing way. It's probably my best way to describe it. Um, but that was probably the most nervous I've been just kind of like, uh oh, what are we in store for here? We have a boy already. Are we going opposite and what's going to come with it? Yeah, that would bother me so bad. I don't see how people do that, not knowing the gender until the day of the delivery. I, I, I know people do that. That's not for me. I couldn't handle oh, that either. We tried so hard and she just would not cooperate. It was kind of hilarious, but it was, uh, yeah, it, it got us both nervous, especially with my wife, who I think just, you know, loves boys and all that go with that and girls scare her because she was really kind of that tomboy growing up. So for her, it was also nerves. So it was the two of us together ready to find out what was happening there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's, that's a neat story. So, okay. I, we, we talked, so full disclosure here behind the curtain, sometimes we will send our guests the, the questions in advance. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, I'm not making any statements about, about this one for sure, but here's something you may not have expected uh -oh. on the hot, <laughs> on the hot seat. So it's, I always love to, I love to ask this question, but what is your favorite TV show? that you don't want anybody to know about. So guilty pleasure TV show that maybe you're a little embarrassed to say publicly nationwide. Here. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> Not let anybody know just the whole list of the audience. Perfect. <laughs> um, let's see here. Let me give it a quick thought. You know, one of the things that I found fascinating, and this is a silly show again, that I don't know why it just draws me in is a silly show called Millionaire Matchmaker. I don't know if you've ever seen the show. It is a <laughs> silly, silly show of rich people who need uh, service to help them with dating. Again, I love human behavior. I love how people make decisions. I find it fascinating. So that show to me epitomizes so many different things and it's just mindless, dumb entertainment that somehow draws me in and I can't stop watching it. Shows like that will suck you in, you know? Oh they, my they, goodness. <laughs> they just, when there are so many like different show romance or dating, or I know in, in my house, like I can't, I just can't go into our bedroom without um, TLC there's some there's 90 day fiance or hey we just met let's get married you know my, oh. my wife is always into that and I, I complain about it but then I, I'll sit there and complain about it just so she hears that but I'll be like, Hey, don't, don't talk. I need to hear this. You know, like, so I'm into it too. So. Oh, and I just, I'm one, I don't have any social media. So I have no Facebook, no Instagram, none, no Twitter, no X, whatever it's called now. I got, I have none of that. So for me, you know, it, it's really relationships in person relationships more so than anything else. So stuff like that gets me all the time because it's just a world that I'm just don't want to enter down, but sometimes those TV shows will suck you in. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. So, so I, I'm, you're probably the same. I don't get a lot of TV time, uh, you know, with the kids and they're, just, they're maniacs and always have stuff going on. So <laughs> when I do, it's usually something in the background that I just it's, need kind of that mindless kind of binge worthy stuff, I guess. That's right. Working for the most part, but that's right. Take your mind off everything else. That's right. Well, thanks for indulging us there. We, we made it. You're off the hot seat. We, we just th can't thank you enough for spending so much time with us here today. So what'd you think? And do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, no, Matt, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, thank you, Matthew, in the background there for, for putting the logistics together as well. Uh, but no, I appreciate SEDC and all you guys do appreciate the opportunity to be with you for this. Uh, really just, I look at economic development as an amazing industry, one that I constantly am trying to make sure I give back to that future generation, uh, but also trying to change the industry, right? Trying to make sure that we as an industry truly galvanize ourselves to be, you know, such a critical part of the future of the economy and, and all of us that are in economic development, I think just really are trying to change the world for a better, to make it a better place in any way that we can. And I'm excited about that and excited just to share my journey and some of the things we do, but uh, thank you again for that opportunity. You know, I'm happy to collaborate and work with anybody on anything that we can do to help our region, our industry um, and our profession. So thank you. That's all I can say is thank you very much for, again, for the chance and opportunity. Well, I love, love your perspective preparing today for a more prosperous tomorrow. So thank you so much for, for laying all this out. Looking forward to seeing you in, in Korea and maybe uh, depending on our flights, maybe in an airport lounge together. But thank you so much. 
for joining the podcast and your membership and more importantly, your service to the American South. So before we leave, we invite our listeners to check out all that we have going on on the SEDC website at www.sedc.org and follow us closely on social media. We want our members part of everything that we do. So to get plugged in, reach out to us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, email, or give me or Matthew Darius an old-fashioned phone call. So thank you, SEDC. Join us next time on the SEDC podcast presented by Insightful.